Alright, welcome back to the Almost Good Podcast. I'm trying to, uh, trying to save this thing. Dave's been <sighs> for a while now. Dave's pretty mad because I don't watch the movies that he asks me to. I, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen this time. Um, maybe we should have a quiz, a series of questions to prove that you've watched the movies we're going to talk about. We can, yeah. Uh, are you... But then again, I don't know. What, I don't know. I feel like fool me once, you know. But okay, mm-hmm. um, pff, shit. Yeah. Okay. Here's a que- a question about Logan Lucky. Yeah, hit me with it. Is there a scene in Logan Lucky dealing with the national anthem? Yes, with Leanne Rhymes. All right. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, a question about the Outsider, the new Jared Leto cultural appropriation film what um in jared leto's feature how does he when the first time he's tasked with hurting someone what weapon does he use oh that's a good question um well he hits that one guy in the face with a glass but i don't think that's the first time um yeah because there's that seat there's like that Ah, oh, it's just a sequence goes of events in, he where go- he's just like he's just fucking people like because it's establishing that he's this like mad dog, cold blooded, yeah, yeah, kind of guy. And he the, goes and it's he's dealing with the guy from Empire Records. I don't want to make it a trivia contest. But oh, a typewriter. Yeah. He's oh, a typewriter. Okay. Yeah, all right. right. You may right. you may have seen it. You yeah, may. Yeah, have seen yeah. it. All right. All right. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. I'm gonna give me a hug. Give me a hug. Okay. It's 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 the one trick actually. If David Keaton doesn't like you. All you have to do is watch movies and tell him about them, <laughs> and you will kind of lull him into a. It's so, it's it's so true. It's so true. I have such good feelings towards you again. <laughs> so, so, which one do you want to talk so, about first? Do you want to talk about Logan Lucky or The Outsider? It is totally up to you, dude. You want to talk about uh, The Outsider because that's yeah. the one you sort of assigned me that one. Yeah, yeah. I thought that that would be good just because I I have a lot of theories about what exactly. Netflix is doing because Netflix clearly um are they an arm of Disney or are they just partners with Disney in doing the whole Avengers TV shows and stuff that that I don't know I had questions I was going to ask you about um is is about this Netflix thing is Netflix trying to rebrand the movie experience here as like a Netflix movie did you notice the opening credits I did they were like a TV show yeah yeah we yeah she watched it with me for about 20 minutes and then she's like, fuck this movie. And she left. Mm-hmm. But the opening credits, we were like, this looks like the opening of some hot new series. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. does not, this looks like a series. This does not look like a movie credits. Is that, are they trying to rebrand the, the only the other thing? The only other thing that I could think of, I, I think you're dead on. I think that's exactly what they're doing, but I think James Bond movies are the only other ones that do that, you know, that have yeah, the, but, the song. And, but this was not even, like an original song with, well, I guess it was an original song, but you know, with like naked ladies and stuff, this was actually clips from the movie playing yeah, in like neon was, colors, which made me think, are these hints of what's going to happen in season two? Mm. Because what, remember up until the credits, we've only seen him in prison for all I knew. It was a big prison movie. I thought he was going right. to be in a, in a harsh prison situation in a foreign land. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing over the credits after we've only seen him in a prison cell, we see all these things that happen later in the movie. That's weird. Yeah. That's like a, that's such a TV show. Yeah, and it's also interesting to me. So, okay, so the movie does start out, and Jared Leto is playing a, uh, a GI, a World War II vet, 
who has gone AWOL in Japan, apparently, and is languishing in an Osaka prison where he meets uh, a Yakuza. And this has got to be like some of the laziest writing ever. Okay, so the Yakuza wants to get out of jail. So he's like, what I'll do is I'll try to kill myself. Can I just real quick, can I just say I'm smiling ear to ear because you watched this movie. (laughs) Go ahead. Proceed. You're my friend when you actually watch the movies. Uh, But so basically the idea is, oh, I'll try to kill myself. And then when I'm in the infirmary, he says, he says, my people will get me out. And I'm like, what does that even mean? Like they don't show any kind of heist. I just, I was fresh off the heels of watching Logan Lucky. So I'm ready for like an escape or a heist or something. A person uh-huh. heist, if you will, and then it just—it doesn't happen. It just—he cuts right. his—he cuts his belly open. Jared Leto, the, his big showing that he has, you know, honor was just to kind of say, "Hey, he cut himself," and all of a sudden, like, "This is my brother," you know. And then, of yeah, course, I, like he—he he proves himself was... with the violence later on. But I don't think that he really did enough at the beginning to earn anybody's trust, right? Yeah. What's What's odd is that he should have uh, helped that guy from being hung. Remember, he saved another guy in a much more dramatic way. Yeah. He, that guy who, who was being hung by the Yakuza's, mm-hmm. that should have been, it should have been like that. Like, that's somebody you owe your life to, not the person who is able to say, guard. I think, well, guard. I think that was the same, was it the same guy who he saved, who was, who was I, choking? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, I'm not even going to answer, I'm not going to answer that question because if I, didn't recognize him. As it's kind of a guy. racist uh, question, yeah. right? It's like next, yeah. next question. Anyway, next moving question. on, moving on. <laughs> so anyway, so then the movie starts up, and then you have. At first, I didn't believe Jared Leto as this killer guy. Like he's kind of this. He looks like he weighs about a buck twenty, and he he just he looks like a skeleton essentially. Um, but I think over the course of the movie, one of the things that I did like, I I did like his performance because he is just kind of this really creepy whispery guy like he's like what you would assume yeah. an enforcer would be he's he's a sociopath basically yeah i think um when they reveal that he may have committed war crimes um mm-hmm. i think that complicates it in, in an interesting way that he's both uh he's both doing penance to this to this society but he's also he's also a horrible person so yeah. i think that that really complicated in, in a great way but I think that um, I have more. I think I disliked the movie more than you did. Mm-hmm. But I can't really blame Leto for it. I was ready to really rip on Jared Leto here, and I only have one really big gripe, which is the fact that he tries to make himself look Asian. Yeah, <laughs> and I yeah. and when I saw it, you know, he's got clearly they they dyed his hair jet black. Right, he's. He's got the bone structure. He's got the and the, the kind of you know subversive whispery thing you described, mm-hmm. and the whole time I'm thinking, why aren't you blonde? Why mm-hmm. aren't you? Mm-hmm. You are. It's the movie's called The Outsider. You yeah. should be the our like, like eyes should face. to you in every scene. He should look like yeah, Angel why? Face from Fight Club. Yeah, exactly. So why is he not a blonde? Um, sore thumb in the middle of all this, you know, honor and tradition where he's, right. he throws, you know, a monkey in the wrench. So, and so that's what I just picture him kind of like that Joker fiasco yeah. where he's saying, you know, I'm really going to get into this. What would an Asian person do? Right. They'd be like really skinny with black hair. Yeah, I'm yeah, Asian yeah. now. 
bam, where's my Oscar? You right, know? right, 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 right. And that's that's the opposite of what you should do, dude. You should yeah. be as Western as possible well, as the outsider. Well, let, let me tell you, like what I liked about the movie was I loved the cinematography. I love the way that it was shot. I love how um, kind of patient it was with a lot of the kind of, there are long shots in here that probably could be a little bit tighter, but I really, because, you know, you see the mist on the mountains and, you know, the very green trees. And I love the way 1950s Osaka looks. Um, but where the yeah, whole it thing, looks good. where the whole thing lost me, man, was I don't understand why he actually had to be, completely accepted you know getting the tattoos uh i get getting in bed with the sister that's kind of a necessary plot point but i don't have i don't understand why they actually had to accept him in any way shape or form because i think i would have liked it better and it would have made more sense for the character if they just like never accepted him and he just kept doing progressively darker and darker shit to gain their acceptance and they at the end of the day they were just like dude you're not japanese you're not going to be a yakuza i don't know what to tell you you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I I think that um, we're part of the reason for that might be because this movie is uh, is going to do very well overseas, and they're and they're kind of like stacking the deck for that. There's um there's the fact that there's uh it kind of like the Cloverfield paradox where there's one character who's uh, who was speaking Mandarin, I think, and mm, yeah. and the and the English speaking characters understood every word she said, but she never had to speak English. Right, which is a very la- lazy move where you're just saying this movie's going overseas and we're throwing them a bone here. Mm-hmm. And kind of the opposite is happening with this movie where half Lido of it says, is in he, Japan, like in Japanese, right? I mean, yeah, Ex- exactly. But and then they, but Lido he speaks English. And he says that he doesn't understand Japanese, but then later the movie's like, well, we can't really make that work very long. So at some point he just, they just sort of put that aside and he, he can understand it. And it's like, they've, it, it, I guess, long story short, I think the movie is indulging in its Western movie star in a way that makes him, um, accept being part of the culture and, and the movie's really taking its time with indulging with that character because overseas it's going to play really well. Here's this. He probably is a much bigger star over there, you know? And, well, that, I, and I, I think didn't suicide squad do pretty good overseas. They all do. They all do great over there. Okay. So, so that's why this movie feels weird to us. Cause we're like, why does the movie love Jared Leto so much to mm. lovingly put these tattoos on him yeah. and to have, and have all these, these gangsters so concerned with him where he, sh- he should be like a peripheral toady to them, you know, Yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's, they gave him the movie star treatment because it's going to play. Differently. That's the movie that I want to see. I really want to see more toady movies just in general, I, even if it's yeah, not yeah. Jared Leto. I just, I really want to, I want to see like the second, the guy who has to run the dumb bullshit errands for the, the mob boss. Like I want that, more of that. Yeah, like in Sin City, they'd have those cutaways of the two hitmen having hitman conversations. Those were amazing. Yeah. And again, that's what—that's why uh, Tarantino gets all uh, gets all the credit he should for making an entire movie about those people in mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction. He's got the—it's the a day in the life of the toadies, you know, right, right, a, a day in the life of those those two hitmen. Um, and that shit's all, that shit's awesome. We don't want to see very little of what happens above them. It's not yeah. as interesting. You know what I loved? I loved this actor in, uh, the outsider. He's one of the Yakuza and he's the, the big fat guy who's got a dented skull. 
Yeah, and we were fascinated that, by that. Is he missing part of his head, or is that I just? I don't know. He, Looks like you could set a coke can on his fucking <laughs> yeah. cranium, and he's got I, a he's got I a thought he was, fucked up looking face too. But he's it's very distinct. I think that guy has a future. Yeah, like the guy in uh, Breaking Bad, the black mm-hmm. dude with the weird shaped head. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that those casting calls, you would nail them every time. The casting right. call says need weird shaped head, and <laughs> boom, like, you're in. It's like we're, I've just paid the rent for the next two years. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think overall I, I liked um, yeah. I liked the violence, and I don't. Okay, so knowing that I'm watching a Netflix movie that has to play overseas and it has to play here, and it's a mainstream film, and blah 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 blah. I liked how much uh, kind of nihilistic darkness they got away with in this movie. I, of course, would have loved for it to go even further you know i kind of didn't i didn't like how i didn't like the fact that towards the end because okay so throughout the movie the big question is is this guy really into honor and brotherhood or is he just like a sadistic masochist who likes cutting his fingers off and likes killing people you know what i mean and that's kind of it goes back and forth to my mind yeah and then you get to I, the end, and it's like he he truly believes in the brotherhood, and I I didn't buy that. Like when yeah, the it doesn't one guy feel dies. like the, it doesn't feel like he's that guy. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I I thought there was a the violence was shocking and and looked pretty good, but mm-hmm. it made me long for uh, for that cell block ninety nine. Yeah. It, it, it made me long for that that kind of rubbery, uh, you know, real real life violence. Yeah. Real life slash obviously fake violence because this had some pretty slick CGI blood moments mm-hmm. where it's like yeah that looks and, and they do it early on when you start watching the movie you're you're five minutes in and somebody opens up their stomach mm-hmm. and I I think I said to Amy this is early I, I feel yeah. like I just got here this is early to be seeing the inside of somebody's stomach sure but it's it's done and only, only CGI can give you that that kind of look. Mm-hmm. Um, but but it you know ironically it takes me out of it it makes me think um, it's not as uh, I don't know it's, it's not as as impactful as Cell Block ninety nine where well, it was obviously prosthetics the thing is is that it's I mean it's gross to see the because I thought the CGI was really well done but I mean Japanese gangster movies have gotten this shit figured out a long time ago before the special effects could even do <laughs> it all you got to do is show the sharp point about to hit the skin. Because that makes you flinch, right? That's real. You're like, ooh, mm-hmm. ooh, that's going to hurt. And then close up on their face, sound effect, whoosh, right? And then mm-hmm. they slump over and you you know, you know, can have their guts fall out or you can, you can show the wound then. But the actual administering of the wound feels oddly, s- simultaneously clinical and cartoonish, you know? And it's yeah. like, eh, it, I don't our- know. Our imagination fills in that gap, right? And so exactly, it, it, it works much better. I mean, that's what famously uh, uh, Hitchcock did in Psycho. In the shower scene, there's all these quick flashes and noises, and that kind of screech noise of of a knife going into something. But mm-hmm. you only see a knife penetrate anything, just a tip, mm-hmm. for, for just a split second. The rest of it is just is actually if you look at those clips is a knife next to her body they just keep showing it in front of her mm-hmm. but when you watch it and it's all put together you think that you've seen her stab like 20 times right because of how effective it is and i think right. that's what we get when we hear we hear that yeah, and then somebody yeah, yeah. falls down you know the so only, when this shows it to us the, it, 
The only CGI, the only CGI stabbing that I can think of that was super effective was in Ex Machina, when the robot like very slowly stabs Oscar Isaac. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Like, where it just like it like yeah, walks yeah, towards yeah. him super super slowly. The feel good, the feel good moment of the year. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. But you know, in most movies, you know, you do that. It's a, that quick stab or whatever. But in in Ex Machina, when you know she's so strong that she's moving so slowly and it just glides into his body like that i thought that was well done and that's something that kind of bugs me in in a lot of the the uh, asian um sword play movies is you know the swords make all these noises when they're not touching anything mm. just pulling one out it starts they humming used to, you know used to bother uh, used to bother roger ebert a lot too he would mention oh, that he? all the time in his reviews yep same with guns. You know, every mm-hmm. time somebody points a gun, it's clicking and, and making all these weird little heavy metal sounds. It's like, <laughs> it's like, what is your gun doing, dude? It's like a praying mantis. They take the gun out. It's like, it's like, that seemed extra. And then they pull the hammer back to. Exactly. Yeah. What's the, I was going to ask you about what you thought of the culture clash stuff. Did you think that I really liked the penguin joke? I, I liked it too. Yeah, it, it, that was probably the only real distinct moment of culture clash. The idea that he tells the what's his penguin joke? A penguin walks into a bar, says, "Have you seen my brother?" The and the bartender says, "What does he look like?" Right, and that's and that's the joke. Um, and when they retell it in Japanese, the a couple of people kind of snicker, and then the one guy says he sells it in Japanese, and he says his version is. Uh, a guy, a penguin walks into a bar and says he's looking for his brother, who obviously is also a penguin. Everybody laughs so he doesn't feel bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, right. And that's awesome because there's you can't translate why that's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's not, you know, maybe right. only to Westerners is that fun. Well, yeah, and it's not. It's it's. I loved that. And this is what I actually really did like about his performance is that that scene, like it comes off as stupid. But because he's, you know, he's like a penguin walks into a bar, you know, and he's doing that really whispery, <laughs> yeah. like long, like Ryan Gosling and drive kind of pauses, you know, but um, I don't know. I just felt like I've met that guy before, you know, that like super self-serious, really skinny dude who is all about like the military and violence, but even though he's kind of a joke and goofy, he's also the guy who would actually kill somebody. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. some some of the goofiest yeah. people that I yeah. know are the ones who I think would actually do the murders. You know? And I, yeah, and I think that's more interesting than um, I'm going to play armchair psychologist for a minute. That is Jared Leto. Is he playing the the kind of um, kind of world war ii era outdated version of the the asian who thinks little of the value of life you know they're so he that's why they're so murderous you know in those movies um is he doing that is he is he so cold because he's he's asian it up with his black hair and his murderous ways or is he or is he a uh, a murderous uh war vet who's crossed over and he's done war atrocities um i think the second one's more interesting than him yeah. just but i fear that he's doing the first thing i fear that he right. might be doing 
he's just being a lethal ninja ninja assassin or something, you know? Right, right. Yeah, no, I, I, I hope that it's the second one. I, I really hope that that's what they were going for. And I hope that the eventual um, kind of storytelling backslide into brotherhood and honor was like... I don't know, like a pressure thing. <laughs> like we, we can't have this be completely nihilistic and bleak. That's where the movie kind of lost me. If you remember my series of texts to you last night, yes, when I sent the yes. last one, yeah. that was, uh, that's when I, it, the movie was just going by the numbers and saying, right. this is what you do in a Yakuza movie, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I, but then again, you know, I want certain things to happen in a Yakuza movie. And, and that's, one of the things um, it's like, do I want it to deviate too much because I'm already a, kind of adrift mm-hmm. in a movie that's half Japanese. Mm-hmm. So uh, the familiar beats aren't, aren't totally unwelcome, but yeah. have you ever seen the Yakuza, the movie with, um, what's fuck's his name? Uh, Robert Mitchum. Uh, Robert Mitchum, the yeah. Yakuza. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's what's Paul great Schrader about movie. that is it's got, um, yeah. Um, and it's got, uh, uh it, it was the first time I saw a realistic sword fight Mm-hmm. where it only lasted a couple stabs and people were in a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Up until that point, they were very choreographed sort of dance fights. Right. And the Yakuza, I remember thinking, this looks like it hurts and it looks like you don't want to be anywhere near it. Right. And it's kind of like, uh, do you remember the video, the famous video game, uh, Bushido Blade? Bushido Blade, yes, I do. You can you do fight. a one-hit kill. Yeah, yeah you, the, most of them were just two or three hits tops. Yeah. That's what the Yakuza, that movie, the Yakuza reminded me of. Fucking 110 episodes of the JDO show and six episodes of Almost Good. I've never accidentally knocked the cord out of the mic before. Yeah. Fucks the whole thing up. So anyway, Bushido Blade. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask you another thing. Did, have you ever seen Black Rain? Uh, the Jet Li movie? No, the Michael Douglas movie. Yeah, Michael yeah. That's probably the worst performance of Michael Douglas's career, but I love it. He's he kind of he tries to tough guy it up, and he's strutting around like a bulldog, yeah, big old yeah. mullet. Yeah, I will I will say this about about Black Rain. I have I have not seen Black Rain, uh, just because we're we're having this new relationship where I'm honest with you. Um, I, don't know, I don't know if I I don't know if I like it any better though. <laughs> but you know how I know Black Rain is that I used to one of my favorite movies growing up was uh, Clear and Present Danger. And (laughs) I had Clear and Present Danger on VHS. And one of the trailers before that was, uh, it was either on Clear and Present Danger or Congo. I know that trailer. That's a big trailer. It had a trailer. A lot of plot. I I need a hero. (laughs) I'm calling up on a hero. So I know that that trailer really well. But um, anyway, continue. I was just going to say that I, I really enjoyed the culture clash in that movie. It's, um, it's, uh, it, I, they use the word gaijin over and over again, right. which, um, is that supposed to be a slur or does that yeah, mean it outside? Kind of, it kind outside. of is. Yeah. Gaijin is kind of like, it's, it's racist, I think. Okay. So the, they call him that nonstop, but, no, but, but nobody cares. Cause it's like white people, you know, the, like, the, the crackers will be fine. Yeah. But yeah, he's uh, Michael Douglas, uh, that culture class I like because it's kind of similar to what you were talking about. He's an outsider, mm-hmm. no matter what. They have right. a, a they have a moment almost lifted from Black Rain, where Michael Douglas's character um, appeals to the Yakuza boss and says, "Use use me as a weapon. Point me at the guy, and I won't miss the target." Yeah, and it's like you stole that scene, Jared Leto, because you're mm-hmm. doing the same scene. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But with Black Rain, they never accept him. Like when they when they use him as an assassin, they throw shotgun shells at him that fall into the mud and then throw a shotgun at him like a dog. And they're like, yep. go do go do it. But we hate you. I and love at the that. End, That's so great. And at, and at the end, he's still considered a piece of shit. Um, but he gains the respect of one other person and that's like enough, mm-hmm. but the rest of the, the whole country still hates him because, and he plays right, a dick right. in that movie anyway. Right. It also has one of my favorite lines. Um, and I'm not even being ironic. The, uh, his, uh, partner that he's partnered up with Matsumoto says, um, in a, in an unguarded moment when he's getting drunk, he says, uh, he, uh, declares his kind of annoyance with Americans mm-hmm. And he says, music and movies is all America's good for. And that's a, such a great line. It is. Like, because both, not just the fact that it's coming from a movie, <laughs> and it's, right. it's basically saying, this is all we have to offer you, enjoy it. Right, right, right. But it's very, it's kind of, I don't know, it resonates with me today. Not, there's, there was a quote I saw just the other day, the Oscar Wilde quote about, there's no, no such thing as a moral or an immoral book. Books are written or badly written. And it made me think of the, you know, the same thing as saying there's no such thing as a moral or immoral movie. And it made me hear old Masamoto with, with music and movies is all America's good for. And mm. it's like, I feel, I felt like we were all in it together for a minute. So. Yeah. And, and, it, and we're, yeah, because we're not good at having morals. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. No. It's, also, right. one thing, one side note for the movie geeks out there. I did like that the, um, the mob boss, not the old guy that, kind of protagonist mob boss but the the antagonist mob boss was played by the dude who plays uh Ichi in Ichi the Killer. Did you ever see oh, that movie? Good, good catch. Yes, I've seen it. Yeah. Uh, great movie. Weird ass movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did he played the he doesn't play the guy with the with the fucked up mouth. He plays his No, yeah, his, he his plays boss. he plays the he plays Ichi. He plays the guy who wears the suit and the has blue the, suit that jerks yeah. off every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, that oh, was him. No. Yeah, so now now he has a mustache and a little beard. But I was he like so different. I was trying to place him and then halfway through the movie I was like, Holy shit, it's Itchy. So um oh, as, You as did a, way better than me. I, I wish I was you because I only was able to recognize the guy from Empire Records, the worst movie of all time. <laughs> You you get the fucking clout points right there. I know. I, I know. I know the uh, the the main kind of like brother Yakuza guy. I know I've seen him somewhere too. I just can't. I can't place that one. Oh, look at you recognizing all the Asians. Hold on one second. Let me let me try. Let me figure out where this guy's <laughs> been because like he he seemed like he's been in some other. Let's see, outsider. Yeah. I'll cut. They also they also had a. There was also a quick cameo from uh, who's the kid from Into the Wild? Oh, uh, e- Emil Hirsch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't around long. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh shit. He was. Uh... Holy shit! No, he was. He was an Itchy the Killer. Also, he was the guy with the cut up mouth. No shit. I did not catch that one. I didn't recognize him because uh, I knew I kind of recognized him, but yeah, he's so the main brother dude is the guy with the cut mouth in Itchy the Killer, and the mob boss is Itchy. So there's two oh, Itchy so That's dope. You, I like this movie more. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's Yeah, although I have to revoke some of your clout points for not recognizing the actual 
guy on the poster for well, Itchy the Killer. Well, but he's blonde and he has uh, mouth cuts in in the Itchy in Itchy the Killer, so it's a little bit different. A little different. Which which is kind of what Jared Leto should have looked like in this movie mm-hmm. to be a, an outsider, a blonde, Dude, blonde, blonde with a Joker mouth. <laughs> Dude, how tight would that? Like, this would have been a completely different movie if he <laughs> if he had the blonde hair and the the Joker smile, the Glasgow kiss or or whatever that's called. <laughs> right. Like he would have. That would have been a completely, probably a much more effective movie. Actually, I like the probably. idea of these movies with just these terrifying sociopaths that like wreck havoc on. Uh, like hierarchies and rules and things like that. Like people who have, like like Joker type characters, basically, you know. So like this idea of, an, of so, a white American dude going into a yakuza organization, being really good at killing people, and also to his mind, you know, he's gonna be honorable and have brothers and stuff. But he's completely insane. So whatever that means to him is something totally different. That would have been a fucking five star. It's movie. a better. That's a better movie. I yeah. think you might have script doctored it. Did, is that my first? That was my first script doctor. I think you, I think you script doctored. You made it a better movie. <laughs> I'll put I'll put that in. Like once I start rambling, I'll start the bum 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 bum. Do it for sure, dude. I think you script doctored because that's it's weird. The the fact that he's overly respectful of the traditions make it feel a little pandery. It makes it, it does, feel yeah. like less less um, respectful. Ironically. Yeah. Because it's pandering. It's like he's he doesn't get to be that. He should be he should be a problem. Mm. Doesn't get to be accepted. Exactly. It's literally it's called the outsider. You know, it's called well, the a, outsider. He's a he's a problem, but you know, the fact that he's with a a Yakuza gang that is on the decline, right? That's about to be, you know, not in existence anymore. Uh-huh. It would make more sense that they would kind of keep him around. It's like, oh well we He doesn't follow like any of the rules, but he he he's doing stuff for us. It actually makes me like the movie a little bit more. Just thinking of your version of it, if that's <laughs> if that's a thing. Because I thought we were gonna have, I thought doctor. we were gonna rip on old Lido. I thought we were gonna tear him up. Right. And I can't really. I didn't. I didn't have a bad time watching him do this movie. I don't know. I feel. I feel horrible I person. Horrible person. But but it's, it was kind of a good movie. Did I ever tell you my my sister's Jared Leto story? She met Jared Leto. Go. She uh, she went to a uh, Thirty Seconds to Mars concert. I think I think that's where she was. And he was uh, he was doing some sort of meet and greet. He was signing CDs somewhere. And she um, I don't know if she was trolling him. Um, she's I think she exists in that uh, land between trolling and sincere love of. <laughs> of my so-called life and Jared Leto. So she brought a VHS box set of my so-called life to get Jared Leto to sign it. And uh, when he saw it, she said he visibly recoiled and shook his head and made, and cl- like closed his mouth tight and made this praying and bowing motion to signal he wouldn't be touching the box set. What? <laughs> like that's the kind of weird shit you can expect from him. Like he kind of did this namaste move, move like oh, I'm not touching. What like, a oh, what a tool. I'm, I'm, like I'm sorry, but I won't be touching that. Yeah, yeah. Like I think if somebody does that, you should be able to call in the airstrike. So uh, let's see, let's see. Do you want to move on to Logan Lucky? You want you want to tackle this one? Yeah, let's uh, let's talk some Logan Lucky. The um, what's fun about this is this is a good twofer because uh, the Outsider is is a uh, um, Netflix original. I don't know if that means it was dumped to Netflix because it wasn't going to make it in the theaters, but it's a. Right. It's probably the best looking of the Netflix original movies that I've mm-hmm. seen. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw Bloodbound. Uh, Beast of saw, No Nation was no. This one was right? better than that. Yeah. 
bright. I think Beasts of No Nation is a better movie, but this this looks a little. I don't know. It maybe looks that's. Yeah. I forgot Beast of No Nation was one of. Maybe I'll have to rethink this list. Bright was was pretty bad. It was bad. It was really um, bad. Yeah. The Cloverfield Paradox was fucking horrible. Well, did you hear about um, how and how I, that like, how that particular movie was actually just a movie that had yeah, nothing they, to do with Cloverfield, and they fucking just dumped it. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly, like Quiet Place should have been. Right. Um, except a Quiet Place was too good to be uh, in the Cloverfield universe, yeah, I guess. Yeah, like um, Quiet Place made like a billion dollars, so I think it's. I think it's safe. But yeah, so this is, um, I guess, a leg up as far as the uh, the Netflix originals. Now, what's weird about Logan Lucky is that... Oh, by uh, the way, I give The Outsider, I give that an almost good. That one was almost it, good. It's. I think it falls squarely in our almost good territory. I, I didn't feel like I wasted my time watching it, and but it wasn't good. i don't know yeah exactly so i might say almost almost good but but anyway yeah logan lucky i don't know if you you heard about soderbergh you know he did the oceans 11 movies and he got Mm -hmm. his movies got bigger and bigger and Mm -hmm. bigger and he became this big hollywood uh um titan um but he had a pretty you know modest start he was at the beginning of the whole indie scene with sex lies and videotape right right right. so he had announced his retirement yes Um, i wanted to talk about that actually like Which was great. What, like, what's the deal? Like, did he retire and then make Bubble, or he made Bubble and then retired? Well, from what I, I – this might be not accurate, but that's the beauty of us not being professionals. Yes. Is I think what I heard is he he at least said this, where he watched Mad Max Fury Road, mm-hmm. and which is made by, uh, what, an 80-year-old uh, George Miller? How old yes. is George Miller? He's, he's like 150 years old. Yeah. He's like 150 years old. And, you know, he's he's uh, masterfully handling all those action sequences out in the desert with practical effects. And mm-hmm. Soderbergh, Soderbergh looked at that and he said, I can't do that. I quit. I <laughs> that that guy is doing things that I'll never be able to do. And, he, yeah, and I, think yeah. he, I think he had a moment of looking, you know, of, of looking into himself and thinking maybe that he was maybe he shouldn't. This is me, armchair psychologist again. Did he think, why am I pretending to be an, an Ocean's Eleven mm-hmm. sequelitis action movie, big heist mm-hmm. movie kind of guy when I can't ever be George well, Miller? I well, can't be an action guy. You okay, know? so here's here's my counterpoint to that, though. He did Haywire, which I thought had some really phenomenal, uh, non-shaky cam, very visible fight scenes that I thought yeah, were I, excellently choreographed. And like, But it's 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 a very quiet movie, like where Fury Road is big and bombastic and lots of explosions and shit haywire's pretty quiet it's just that that uh yeah. lady mma chick just fucking strangling channing tatum with her thighs and i'm 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 there for that <laughs> well yeah i mean and george miller does he's he did the babe movies with the pig he's right he's, he he contains multitudes but um so my, my theory is that he felt like he maybe if even if he didn't feel like he couldn't do these things. Maybe he felt like that wasn't where his talents lie. Right. That why is he making these big giant heist movies over and over again when he, um, you know, he starts uh, out of sight is a masterpiece. Um, yes. Sex lies and videotape is a masterpiece. Yep. Where are those, those movies gone, you know? And so I feel like, uh, Logan lucky as his sort of return, he did this movie called side effects was, was kind of a twisty thriller, hmm. kind of a combo of, uh, of his uh, uh, Leonard adaptations and maybe Sex Lies and Videotape, it was it was yeah. pretty good though. It was okay. good, and 
I love Contagion. I thought it was amazing. So I think Logan Lucky was his way, even though it's a heist movie, it's a small movie, and it's it's kind of his comeback and mm. saying, uh-uh, I'm going small. If I'm coming back, I'm going small because I can't be Fury Road. And he, it was a very uh, conspicuous plea for video on demand. It was mm. straight straight to video. It was not released in theaters, and it was him trying to, um, you know, jump on the whole uh, Netflix train, I think, or the equivalent of, you know, here's a movie that just suddenly exists one day. It just mm-hmm. there's no there's no promo for it. Although the promo was that there was no promo, so what are you gonna do, mm. you know? But but anyway, it's as a movie that just sort of sprang into existence one day, and was and felt like a small movie. You know, it's a little twenty million dollar movie compared to these hundred million dollar mm-hmm. beasts he was doing. Mm-hmm. It still it still felt kind of big to me. What do you think? Yeah. No, it felt big to me too. I think that um, it's it's interesting to see him do a movie like Logan Lucky after being the Ocean's guy because. He really is good at structuring these heists, you know. Yeah, why? Why is he like all of a sudden he's David Mamet? You know, I thought of him as as the indie guy, and I right. thought of him as, but all of a sudden you're right, he's good at heists. Yeah, and yeah. It's yeah. like he's he's fighting his his nature of like maybe he should be doing probably the best balance of it is the underneath where he did a armored car heist mm-hmm. that was very small movie but also a very well-thought-out heist. Yeah, and I I think that the other thing that he does, in the same way that Tarantino does it, and actually Mamet does it too, is that he is not, like, his movies are not operating in anything resembling a real world, which the recent glut of, you know, mumblecore movies and people who are looking for, like, verisimilitude, you know, like, like this realistic feeling. I really liked Uh that this felt like a cartoon. Um and it was fun. It was fun. It was good natured, you know. It yeah. it wasn't. It was definitely almost good, yeah. I thought. But it wasn't uh, like he's stuck in that middle ground. He, I don't want him to make these big hundred million dollar heist movies, but I like how he thinks <clears throat> about a heist. So, how do you make a small heist movie? The, well, the Especially, movie. The movie actually. My my not to script doctor again, but I actually just <laughs> think the movie should have been smaller. Like it it just, should be smaller. You're it, right. Like just take Hillary Swank and the guy from Blue Ruin out altogether. I don't. Oh, care. Yeah. I don't that, care that about was, that. I don't that care been, about that. That should not have been in there. It was such a dead end plot. And my problem was is that you get about an hour, and the movie is, uh, if I remember correctly, it's about an hour forty five. So not egregious. Um, but the problem is is that you get to an hour fifteen, and they've successfully completed the heist and here's my thing it's like you're a little bit tense when the heist is happening and you have that kind of enjoyment of watching the thing unfold but Mm -hmm. my my question is like since they kind of sort of get away with it in the end anyway like why couldn't the end of the heist be the end of the movie yeah it felt it felt uh, it felt too too big and too long i i fully agree with you and also what was the weird what did you think of um uh, the fuck's the guy's name from Family Guy? Seth. Uh, oh, Mc, McFarland's name. Seth McFarland. Seth McFarland. What did you think of his role? He was the curly-haired uh, racing nemesis. That was him. Yeah, yeah. What, oh, what, I didn't even know that. That was stupid. That was a yeah. really stupid subplot. Yeah, and I feel like it only existed as an excuse to put him in the movie. 
that and made, so if you didn't recognize him it made it made, made no sense, sense to you. it made no sense because like at the i mean he gets his head bounced off the bar at the mm-hmm. beginning which is fun i mean like that's kind of a fun and you know the fact of like a a real british guy coming into a, a like a west virginia hillbilly bar is kind of funny you know because he's kind uh-huh. of this representation like this representation of everything that hillbillies think british people are um but past that i mean he has no there's no point of him being in the movie he kind of sees something and then he's dismissed by the fbi and it's like what i agree with you man it's like that character did not need to i mean if you wanted a throwaway scene of channing tatum defending his brother's honor you could just have that that could have just been it, it yeah it would have been, been a, and it would have been fine but then he rolls back in like he's kind of got this guy fieri thing going on and he's and you think oh this is the big nemesis but not really i it was weird yeah, it was that weird. was that was really ill thought out and i also i kind of ended up liking his character by the end of it but i do think daniel craig was a bad choice for that particular character considering all the other actors who could have done that um i just wasn't really buying i mean he, he, it's it's a real thing when you when you play james bond and what four <laughs> movies like it's hard to go back to being a you can't to try to a, be small he's he's got yeah, the problem soderbergh had. Right. they tried to make him small right right and I, is, I could just think of so many actors who would have done that but i mean even like a a big actor like matthew mcconaughey could have pulled that off better i think but what did, what did you think? I think you have a um, a, uh, a particularly interesting perspective here that we should tap into as somebody from Oklahoma. Yeah, we've got um, we've got a redneck heist, you know, Yeah, redneck yeah. heist. Yeah. Do you, do you think it did it feel pandering? Did it feel like it was condescending to your people? What do you think? <laughs> well, first of all, I was actually the very first scene is Channing Tatum speaking to his daughter while he's fixing a car. And. His accent um, fucks up. It's actually like a, a reciprocal thing with how good Daniel Craig's accent gets as it goes on. Like Channing Tatum's gets worse and worse and worse. But in that very first scene where he's fixing the uh, the engine block on his car, that is exactly how people from West Virginia sound. That's so what- you felt... I felt that I felt like I was in good hands at the beginning that I was going to watch this small movie that was going to be real. It was going to have interesting, um, you know, realistic characters. So you felt that same way, huh? Mm-hmm. When it first started, I was like, I was on board uh, with, and, with that. But the, I mean, the accents fell off. I think that, yeah, I think where it, it fucks up is, I mean, the two like retarded uh, uh, sidekicks, like what, like what's that about? Like that's every silly. time, yeah, and every time they add another character or family member, the accents didn't weren't the same. Everybody was doing a different. That's it's like it. everybody had it. everybody exactly. had a different tape. Some they sent them home with different movies right. to study. Right, and I I think the dude uh, Darth Vader, what's his fucking name? Um, Adam Driver. Adam Driver. His accent was real bad. His was terrible, and yeah. supposedly I read online because I looked it up. I thought somebody else must have noticed how bad that accent was. Yeah, and it says he was trying to do Jesco White, the old the old tap dancing uh, wild uh, whites of West Virginia. Right, right, right. So he uh, and you can tell he's trying to do Jesco White, but Jesco Jesco White is a, is an alien in West Virginia. In West <laughs> right. Virginia, right. Whereas right. Channing Tating is kind of Texas. I don't know. So. It's like did somebody Wait, is he, are did you they, saying that, are you saying that he's from Texas? Or No, I'm saying that's what he was trying he was trying to do. No, 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 his accent is at least at the beginning. That that is West Virginia. 
Like that is okay. 100% West Virginia. So uh, so Jessico is is something totally different because yeah. I, I I could kind of pin it down like that. That sounds like he's right. That's Jessico White, but that's also not normal West Virginia accent. Yeah, yeah. my my uncle, but who then was born and else... raised in in West Virginia, and then uh, his my my he passed away, and then his buddy is now marrying my aunt. He's also from West Virginia, and they they when I heard Channing Tatum's voice, he sounds exactly like. Uh, my new step uncle, like um, so they nailed that. Yeah, did you, did you feel like was the, did you think Daniel Craig or maybe it was the twins? Somebody had this kind of Texas twang. Oh, that though. was bold. Yeah, the, the, see, and that's my problem with the twins is that I have never heard anybody talk like that. <laughs> that's I've, the, I've lived, that's a that's movie Texas. I mean, I I grew up. I literally grew up in Oklahoma, and my family is from Virginia and West Virginia, so I spent a lot of summers there. And I also, I mean. Growing up, one of my best friends was from Alabama, and so I've heard all the Southern accents. And there's almost nobody who sounds. It's the the problem is is that you can have a really deep twang. Like my cousins from North Carolina, like they 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 kind of talk like this. Like they kind of had this accent, you know. But uh-huh. nobody has that like retarded country accent, you know. Where it's like, oh, don't go to bed out there, but you know, like it's that. <laughs> Oh no! Dropped on the head, and also from the south, you know. And what? Uh, I've just never heard that. I've never heard that happen in real life. Well, where'd your accent go? Why don't we have to run you through the Universal Translator to make you sound <laughs> to make you sound normal? Why do you sound Why do you sound normal right now? Uh, it's because I'm normal passing. Are it's, you Are you ashamed of where you're from, <laughs> dude? It'll come back so fast. Whenever I'm. If I am hanging out in Oklahoma with my Oklahoma friends or conversely in Virginia with Virginia people, like my voice changes that. immediately. I, I want to see that. I get that I get that twang back so fast. And I, one, I, I can't control it. I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put a body camera on you so I can see you as soon as you get off the plane in Virginia, you have like half a beer and you're like, Give a horse peanut butter, it doesn't mean he's talking. <laughs> But yeah, man, no, that was the one thing that those two characters, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get why, because those people, those people exist and that kind of stereotype is useful for a certain, like the Coen brothers are good with that kind of character. I think the Coen brothers do that better than, I think anybody, honestly, at adding humanity to those kind of dipshit redneck characters. But in this one. Yeah, blood. Blood work. Simple in particular. Yeah. Blood Simple has some, some truly stupid people in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I had a lot of sim- a lot of sympathy for him. And there's kind of a, a stupid evil to the main, uh, to the detective that, that really works well. Um, in Blood Simple? I think it's it's part of the, the yeah. 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 And so in this one, when you got that good name, when it's supposed to be such a good natured movie and you have people that are, that are playing so dumb. Um, it just comes across as like, like, like buffoons and I don't know. It just, it just feels, it feels slapsticky, you know, here's another question. I have another question for you. Maybe I'm a little slow, but did you get confused by the heist itself with all the pneumatic tubes and stuff? I feel like I was a little step behind there. I I thought I'd be good at a heist, but now I'm not so sure. I did. I, you know what? And actually I'm glad you asked that question because I, I too was a little confused until, you know, they, they you kind of see how it works towards the end. Um, that is one thing that I liked is that you have these kind of allegedly dipshit redneck characters. But it, it's a 
relatively complex heist. Like there's there's layers to that shit. Yeah, and I don't know if they totally justified breaking Craig out and then into prison just so he could make that half-assed bomb. Mm-hmm. You know that his his involvement. Oh, true. I, I don't even know think if about it was that, justified. But that's that, that's that's actually really true. That doesn't make any sense at all. Because they, yeah, yeah that, <laughs> that's a huge hole in the plot. Yeah, they could have literally done, <laughs> they could have gone on YouTube and found like how to improvise a little bomb and just done And it's that. funny, I guess it's funny how casually he does it with household items. Yeah. But that's, it's probably harder to break him out of jail than it was to make that yeah. bomb or yeah. that heist. Right. So it's, it's like, a, you know, one more pass at that script and you might justify why you risked everything to, to get come out. Yeah. to get him out of jail. Right. I, and I, I liked all the different late because I mean it was fun uh, watching Adam Driver get himself into jail and then watching the you know where the prisoners take over and they're demanding the new George R. R. Martin book <laughs> and they're like yeah. bring us the winds of winter and Dwight <laughs> Dwight Yoakam who's so great in fucking everything I don't know how he's now, so now good. that's that's somebody who does who doesn't have to do the Southern because it comes with the package. Yeah. Yeah. He's just so good. And he's like, well guys, it looks like uh winds of winter has not been finished yet. And everybody screams like that's bullshit. He's been working on it for eight <laughs> years. <laughs> that was such a good gag, dude. Um, that was, that was so basically what I'm saying is like, there's a lot of good gags that come out of the uh, kind of, it might be one of those things where the screenwriters, you get so many good gags and you get Daniel Craig to play this character and you get into it and you're like, wait a second, he kind of doesn't need to exist. But do you really want to kill that many darlings? Like how no. many things would get sacrificed? If The first thing to go would be would be the cop, would be, yes. would be sw- Swank had to go. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. But I also feel like I'm not as upset with those dead ends because I watched it for yeah, free. Right. I watched it for free in the, uh, in the comfort of my home. And I, I'm going to give this a definite almost good because oh, I feel 100% like percent almost good. Yeah. I feel like I got my money's worth, which was zero dollars. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if a movie is going to just pop up out of the blue without any promo, this is as good as it needs to be. Yep. Um, so I was very I, think, I was I liked this one better than The Outsider. I, I, I liked it a lot. I think there was a the weird battle he's having with doing a big a big movie or a little movie um i think we're benefiting from it because if it means free movies that are bursting at the seams with too many ideas and too many characters that's fine i'm i'm fine with it well he does a lot of interesting little experiments too do you remember when soderbergh excuse me uh put raiders of the lost ark out on his website but he had turned it black and white yeah yeah and the uh aliens what, too schizopolis uh no, he did. Uh, yeah, he's got he's got he some weird like, moments. Uh, he kind of like he cut together the first alien with Prometheus, which was a really interesting thing to watch. It's about two and a half hours. It's really short. Yeah, he does things that a movie fan does, not necessarily a movie maker, and I think that right. makes him interesting. Right. I think right. that makes his movies interesting, even if they're not. I don't think he's he's going to get back to the heights of. Um, I think Contagion is probably his last really good movie but i haven't seen um uh behind the uh behind the carousel alhambra how do you say that oh i have no idea the I've, uh I've the what's his name the the movie about uh about the the fucking um fucking dude with the tiny bubbles guy what's the fucking maybe he didn't even did he do that movie i have no idea straight to hbo 
Matt Damon. Oh, killing me. Maybe you did. Hold on, hold on. Let's let's scratch this. What's a carousel? Oh, that's a Led Zeppelin song. Behind the Candelabra (laughs) with Mike. Oh, it's the Liberace movie. Liberace, that's the name. Liberace. Yeah, yeah. I hear that's Mr. Black Rain. I hear it's really good. We've come full circle. I don't, but it's not really a movie. It's a, I think it's a mini series or a two parter or something. Looks like, uh, looks like we got a. I've never about, seen. It's about two hours. I don't know. I've never seen it, but I think. Uh, I don't know if that's before his fake retirement or not. No, I what think do- it's after. I because I remember his retirement was in. Uh, it was a long time ago, actually, and it's it was one of those after- things where I'm so tired of fucking rich famous people saying they're retiring and then not like jay-z right. did it too jay-z was like i'm retiring and he's had like three albums since he retired it's like shut up you're never going to retire because you're going to get bored you're rich yeah. you have nothing else to do this is what you like doing you're right. not going to quit like he, he I mean, might have done it he Dan- might have said it twice i can, can you daniel, hear me? daniel day lewis is the next one who's like i'm retiring from acting shut up no you're not you'll be back <laughs> Like you have, yeah. if uh, barring some terrible accident, you've got a good forty years left. Like you're yeah. not, you're not going to act in another movie ever, right? Really. He, yeah, Fuck he's off. either there's there's two possible retirement zones that happened. I don't know if it was after Ocean's Thirteen, which was a soul killer. That's a perfect bad. example. That's one of those examples of a movie I call uh, "Rich Assholes on Vacation." Yeah, like I didn't believe that they were doing anything that they were. Ju- I just it's kind of like Adam Sandler's new movies where he just goes to Hawaii and they film him. Mm-hmm. These were, this was like uh, George Clooney and Julia Roberts having a vacation and we get to see them pretend to be in danger. Right. right so, I, so if that was the beginning of his retirement, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Cause then contagion happened like 10 years later or no, maybe it was less than that. Oh, it was either, dude. Or maybe dude. it was after, I don't know. I was, I'm looking at this, uh, at this IMDB page. You know what we should do for the next episode? What we should do? It's a it's Soderbergh. It's that unsane movie. Oh, what? Yeah, I've heard that name. It's is that the unsane uh, is where this woman gets uh, uh, put into a mental institution oh, because somebody's stalking yeah. her. That's that's Soderbergh, dude. Okay. Okay. I'll watch that. That's probably. Uh, it's a, it's like a stupid concept, but I think I think he could pull that off. I guess I had that confused with something else. I didn't even know that was him. Yeah, I'll watch that. It looks kind of like Side Effects, that other kind of thriller. Something hilarious I just see. Uh, I, I looked up this Unsane on Wikipedia, uh-huh. and under the under the credits it says, Cinematography, Steven Soderbergh as Peter Andrews, edited by <laughs> edited by Steven Soderbergh as Mary Ann Bernard. Oh, my God. So, <laughs> so he's, he's pulling a full Billy Corgan where he's like, can I just – I know you guys, it says that you guys play on the album, but can I just have that guitar for a second? Can I just fill those drums in myself? Dude, this so many three, smart people go... fake names and he's go doing the whole movie. They go completely insane. They go completely insane. Like that's, I feel like that's like Kanye West too, where like, like Kanye West on his last album would call in, you know, these huge musical people and you would listen to the song and be like, where did, you know, where was Rihanna on this song? And it'll be like, oh, there's like a part at three minutes and 42 seconds where a voice goes like, Bruh! like that was Rihanna, you know, like it's, they just go nuts. It's, it's Kanye West. And he's, he's just wearing a wig and he's like, I'm Rihanna today. Yeah, exactly. And then Rihanna's like, okay, whatever. It's fine. You can put my name on it. It's whatever. But, but yeah, these guys all go crazy. I'm quitting. I'm done. I, you know, and they, they do all this stuff so publicly and it's like, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe keep this shit to yourself. But yeah, dude, I don't think we should he's watch ready to. 
Maybe Soderbergh's not ready to retire if he has three pseudonyms and he's working in every aspect of the industry. He's, he's producing. You know? He's producing a show called Now Apocalypse, which is ten episodes. He produced Ocean's Eight. Uh, Bill and Ted Face the Music, so another Bill and Ted movie, I guess. Uh, yeah. He's just he's now he's doing That's stuff. It's like he's not a good time. Did you watch Godless? Because it looks like he produced it. I haven't seen that. Okay, I'll watch. it looks like a western thing. But anyway, I, I I don't want this to devolve and just well, me, me well, looking at should... IMDb. But you know, <laughs> it's no longer a podcast. It's Dave reads things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, let's. Um, I should. Uh, I do have a script doctor for Logan Lucky. All right, let's go. Even though you've sort of. Uh, You've sort of bested me, and you've sort of been the script doctor lately. I'd like to... I had literally one script doctor. One. <laughs> but it was good. The Outsider one was good. I feel like you're in my in my house, and you stole my you stole my scrubs, man. Well, that's, the, that's, the, one about, that's the one you thing about Keaton. You can go ahead and be script. That's the one thing about Keaton that listeners need to know is that, you know, he's, he's a nice guy, he's super friendly, but if he ever feels like you're encroaching on his territory, whatever that means at that particular day he's kind of unsure about your your presence he's like <laughs> a, he's like he's he's kind of looking at uh, you from the other side true. of the cage like what is he like what's this guy's game like what's he doing <laughs> i feel like um if you that's a prime example of the projecting you can expect from dave osborne when mm-hmm. he uh attributes a behavior to someone else that's clearly something he's struggling with fair Just enough to get that out there fair enough but anyway, i will now script doc Script Doctor Logan Lucky, a.k.a. Oceans 7-Eleven. I think we talked a little bit. Well, we didn't talk about it, but I, um, when I quizzed you about the national anthem, I feel like there's a very big missed opportunity here. At the Na- They had a NASCAR heist, which was kind of cutesy, right? Yeah. They're stealing from NASCAR. Right. And they all stand for the national anthem. You know, there's a national anthem moment right. where the heist crew does that. They should have had the heist crew sweating a specific part of the plan and the anthem interrupts them because they're going to stand no matter what because that's that's you know it's in their blood they got to stand for the national anthem it should be a moment where there's time ticking away and they've got to stand and you know what i mean like that's like that yeah and what's 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 beautiful about that is it's the sort of thing that both panders to the south but also mm. lets the North feel superior, you know, mm. like it gets, it gives them both something to chew on. So everybody feels good about it. It's like a, it's like the Rosetta stone there. It's like a, it's like you a, know, it's, it's like, like a God, God brain, brain level pander. It is, it is. It's a perfect win, win. It casts a wide net for the audience, man. <laughs> I can't believe it didn't occur to him to do it. So. All right. Anyway, is, it, is that so it? National, maybe we should end with the national. Yeah, crank right here is where you crank the bum, national bum, anthem. Bum, bum, bum. And, uh, All right, so we're, we're back on good terms now. Me and Dave are friends again. We love each Yay. other. And, oh, you watch, and... you watch movies. <laughs> <laughs> and that will come do here. it. Come here.